talking about is an experience that I have too, and and just about every American who uh, travels. We live in a country that's got people coming in from all over the world. We have a global economy. We have, um, you know, just the the ability, the, the technology that's available to travel and just transcend. Right now, we're doing it through Zoom uh, to do this interview. We have interactions with different people all the time, and in a uh, pre, I'm thinking pre-modern, you know, in a pre-modern world, um, the differences between people groups would have been so much starker. You you would have looked at genetic differences, cultural differences, religious differences, uh, cuisine. I mean, it doesn't really matter what aspect of civilization or, or, or life, I should say, that you're talking about. Uh, people would be very particular depending on where they were. And that's just not the case today. So you can have the situation you just talked about. I think the the difficulty is um, that I, I think the question or the root question that people are that's controversial is whether or not genetics has anything to do with it. And so this is you don't really say this in the book, but I'll just ask you this because I've heard th- this described by others. Your friend, let's say, who's Chinese, who uh, speaks like a Cajun, would, how would you categorize that? Would you categorize that as a, an adoption? I mean, he's been adopted as, in, into a culture that's not perhaps native to his ancestors. Like you said, he's not a 10th generation Cajun, but he's adopted their ways and been accepted as part of their group, just like families do this when, when they adopt. And, and I thought that was, to me, that maybe I'm overly simplistic, but I thought that's a perfect explanation for uh, different uh, kinds of people with maybe traditions and, and, and different genetic differences that go back, but they've been incorporated uh, through, you know, sharing, sharing a language, sharing religion, sharing other aspects of life. And now they've become one. Um, and, and that we do that on a family level. Why can't we do that on a national level? Do you think what I just said, is that, is that tracking with you? Do you agree? Or is there anything you would, you would say that you would disagree with what I just, with, with how I presented it? I mean, you know, is adoption it, it, a good parallel? Yeah, there, there. I guess you could say there's a sort of adoption. Um, I mean, there, there is obviously assimilation as, as well. Uh, I mean, I, it's, 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 it's difficult because, like my, my kind of a method of an, analyzing these things, I try to, I, I'm kind of trying to avoid, uh, like these objective measurements and and distinctions, and more just how we kind of experience the world. Well, God um, created nations, right? So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but the the thing with that is, that, so I, I I think that nations arise, and their differences. Yeah, I mean, there there is a a component of like blood relations to all that, and I, I do I do talk about that in the book, and um, I make distinctions all about that. Um, but I, I think what's fundamental to a nation is not not is is more that they they are they have developed a way of life independent of another another nation. And so they have these kind of patterns of, of life that they pass on from generation to generation. And this doesn't preclude people who are from a different nation coming to that nation and coming to adopt those, those ways. So there's no like genetic barriers from, from someone from another nation coming to adopt the, these other uh, ways. Uh, so, um, yeah. So yeah, you're, so I, you're strictly speaking culture then when you talk nation, when you, cause you use the word ethnicity in the book a lot. And that's, yeah. so you mean, yeah, culture. this is where I, but, but I mean, again, I know. Yeah. But I, I do define it. I, I separate it from race 
but it's it's again it's a part of my 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 the method like if you want to think of ethnicity as a purely objective thing that you you do kind of a political like a historical political geography and you yeah there's like a very kind of strong racial i guess component to it um but i'm saying the method of actually experience is that you you it's ra- this you know this objective measurement of race of just like a dna test doesn't doesn't actually get doesn't get you what kind of a culture a nation is it's actually fundamentally a kind of a shared uh, set of loves that are some universal some are particular and and the actual you know i guess quote purity of the of the the blood composition of that ethnicity is not the does not drive is not um, is not what's fundamental to to actually keeps those people together. So I mean, I when I I mean, just take like, so I went to West Point. <clears throat> West Point's a a place where, like mo- like most colleges, most people come from that that region. Like you know, uh, if you're going to college in New York, most people are from New York or that area. Uh, at West Point, people come from all across the country because it's based upon congressional districts and how many people can get in and all that. Um, so it's very diverse in terms of like regional diversity of the United States. And uh, it's what, what's what what you what, what do you experience when, when you go there is that there are people are in the, in the country, despite their regional differences, despite you know ancestry differences, they're all kind of they're all wearing the same flag on their shoulder. Um, they're all patriotic. I mean, most of my guests were and uh, probably maybe maybe a few guys smuggled in. But um <laughs> but th- there was a there was a unity despite this diversity and and uh, and just despite set like diff- very different bloodlines and different like tracing ancestry to Europe or Asia or whatever. Sure. And and there was this kind of unity of uh, patriotism and and willing to sacrifice for this country. And um, so I mean, this is a very difficult topic, and it's, it, it, it makes, is. And it, it makes everyone nervous to talk about it. Well, uh, like what what makes the United States right. a nation and all that. Which is what uh, I wanted and, to get into next, but I, I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not trying to do a gotcha, just, I mean, obviously you know that, but I, I'm not, like, the, the, the reason I think we have to talk about it is because even if we struggle along a little bit to some extent, it is something that th- is being talked about a lot, and this is what the other yeah. side especially wants to, they want to paint anyone who says they're a Christian nationalist as horrible in every way, and this is just one of the ways. Yeah, so uh, let me let, let me talk a little yeah. bit about, like, kin and blood relations. And so I, I'm not yeah. going to do the convenient thing of saying that it's absolutely irrelevant to your connection to your nation. I just think that's obviously false. But what I mean by like blood relations is this. You have grandparents, great-grandparents are back and you have family stories, you know where they were, what they did, maybe how they got here. And most people kind of live fairly close to where their grandparents grew up uh, and or or their parents, maybe the same town, maybe same region, maybe same state, whatever. And you, you have a unique love for your, your, you know, your blood relations. You love your grandparents more than others, you know, other older people. Usually you love your parents more than there's a a unique love there. And, but that love, uh, kind of in in a way, what, what I say kind of enlivens your world. It's where if, if your grand, if your, uh, grandparent, worked at that factory or your, your grandparent uh, participated in that national event, like say World War II, or, you know, this is where your, your grandmother met and went to church and, and or whatever, or, you know, this is where your grandparents are buried. 
like all, all these different things that they that they've done and how they've ma made their mark in their own way in the world it becomes this thing where i love this place you know i love this place or i love this property i love this house i love uh this shop this store this factory this school uh this church because you love them and so it's like in in a sense that blood relation translates into the world of to a place where that place it becomes an object of love because that's the place where your grandparents did things. And that's where your grandparents or great grandparents did things with other great grand or other, other people's grandparents who live there today. And so there's like this, there's a connection of people in place that these natural relations enliven, but your connection to others in that same place is not uh, like, you know, a, a love for a friend or a family friend that you knew for a long time uh, you're concerned for them. That, that's not because they are related in blood. I mean, no, no one kind of like, oh, should I be friends with this guy? I mean, I mean how, how much <laughs> no, DNA right, do right, I? Right. How much DNA do I share? <laughs> Show like, me no your one, No one does that. that. I mean, maybe a few will hear people, but but but, but what it is is that, like you have this connection in a way through these people that you love, kind of by nature, and mm -hmm. so there is a sense in which like blood relations matter, but that's kind of a conduit for you actually to love people who are widely different from you and in terms of DNA or you know genetics, because these people worked with these people or whatever, you know, they, they, they uh, conducted life together. I mean, this kind of stresses the importance of kind of sticking, staying, staying in a place for many generations and also creating the hospital, making sure that you can't, kids can actually can't stay in that place. But um, anyway, the, um, that, that, so that, that's what I mean by like blood relations. So the, the, a nation is in, to my mind is not some sort of blood purity thing. But right. at the same time, it does matter how long you've ancestrally been there because then you've ancestrally been there with other people who have been ancestrally been there. And that creates a sort of like common spirit, not, not necessarily a common like natural relation, but a common spirit because of how that fuses together. Uh, I mean, just, just think of the unifying effect of, yeah, my grandfather fought in World War II. Um, I, tell, I tell a story of a guy I met. Uh, and, and he, we were talking about our grandfathers. Like, yeah, my grandfather was a bandsman. Like he played the trumpet at dance bands in Honolulu during world war II, a uniform guy. He was drafty. He always said that the thing that saved his life was he played the trumpet, you know, when he was 12 <laughs> years old in, in high school. And so he, um, he played in dance bands and this guy, Oh yeah. My, my grandfather was, I don't know, like an airman or something in the Pacific theater too, or whatever. Oh. I was like, Oh, I wonder if he, I wonder if your, your grandfather, um, Dan like on, on R and R dance to my grandfather playing the trumpet. And who knows if they did, but it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, like your grandfather participated in the same big national event as I did. I don't remember, you know, what sort of that's I mean, he might've been Italian who knows, but I mean, whatever it was like, this was a, an event that brought he and I together and we could share like the, the same nation based upon those events. It wasn't me thinking, I wonder if this guy genetically is close to me. Like that's not how anyone thinks. Right. No, no, it's, no, one it's, does. it's not that. So anyway, that, that's what, that's what I mean by that. And I think that just like, once you say it, that all should just make sense. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm being arrogant or like overconfident, but it just should make sense that, um, that there is a relation well, like that's how national life works. Well, well, I think what you're running up against, and you you talk about this in the book, is the proposition nation idea that we all should just be bound together by a common set of uh, propositions or precepts or something uh, abstract notions. 
and, and that should be enough. That should be the glue. And I think what you're getting at, um, and there's a few quotes you have, they're really short. I'll just read this. You said, ethnicity is something experienced as familiarity with others in common language, manners, customs, stories, taboos, rituals, calendars, social ex expectations, duties, loves, and religion. You also say that blood relations matter for your ethnicity because your kin have belonged to this people on this land, to this nation, and this place. And so they bind you to the people in place, creating a common uh, Volkgeist. And 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 that just if you believe what you just said, yeah, like that, a, like a spear, like a common, like a you know, right. like guys, people. I know, I, yeah, you use a German, it's a German word. word. You're not. Yeah, but, uh, it's by the way, it's a word. German word that far predates. Um, <laughs> it's a good Nazis and people. So calm down, calm down. Actually, it's uh, funny. I didn't even just see this. I just noticed. I wrote beside the word Volkgeist in like a joking way. Are you a Nazi? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Calm down, people. <laughs> but you know, part of part of the reason why um, I throw terms like that in there, I know people are gonna like think Nazi. But it, I, I'm hoping that when they do jump from Volksgeist to, to Nazi, that they then think, wait, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I'm programmed to think. Yeah, like maybe, maybe. Maybe I shouldn't think problem. like that. And I should just calm down and uh, and chill out. Um, and if if that's, yeah. So then that's why I don't sometimes, I guess, full disclosure. This is one reason why I don't qualify a lot of my statements. Because I'm uh -huh. hoping that, 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 that two, three, 4% of the people who do freak out will then say, wait, should I freak out? I mean, is he really no, saying that? Let's, let's like, you know what I mean? So hopefully to capture that, 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 that few percentage points of people who can overcome their programming. But anyway, no, but, but your, your point though is, is well taken. No, and, and I'm glad you said that, but your point is well taken. Um, that, you know, this is something that's tangible. This is something in the dirt, you know, put your hands right there. It's something that you feel. I mean, you, we break it down to a smaller level, the house, you know, my grandfather's house, like in Mississippi, it, it fell apart and the property's still there. And there's times I've wondered about, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the house, but I'd love to buy it someday, that property, right? If I had became rich and because it meant something to my family going back generations. And that's something that other people wouldn't understand who don't live in my family line. And so th there is a, a proximity there, but it, it's based on so much more than just genetics The genetic, obviously he's my grandfather. So there's a genetic component, but if I was adopted into the family and there weren't genetics, I would still probably feel similar way yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know, the, the warmth and, and the experiences I had with my grandfather and the love that was shown and, there's just and so many even things I can't quite even put my finger on that I know are playing into why I would value that land, just like I would value a nation on a larger. Well, well, like, well what you said is is really important. It, yeah. it is I, I call it this uh, affective value, like affective value. Uh, there, yes. there's things in this world, and this is it, what's interesting is like these matter more to us than anything, or they should, but uh, they generally do. And yet they're entirely unmarketable. Like your, your affection for that piece of dirt in Mississippi, you know, yeah, that's uh, like, to me, it'd be like, that's cool. You know, I, I, I mean, because, because I'm your friend, I can appreciate why you like it. And I, I can then like it all as well. I, I talked about Cicero and his friend, similar story in the book, but if I, if you and I were strangers, I'd be like, okay, cool, dude. I mean, that's great, but I don't care about that dirt at all, but you do. And what, why do you, because, well, that's where your, you said grandfather, right? Your, your, your uh, grandfather, uh, made his is sort of print print his you know his uh he that's where he was that's where yeah. he, i guess you were with him well and the and, story and so that he told enlivens our world like our, our world this is why i hate like the propositional nation idea it, it it totally turns our world into this like 
like this bare geographic space as if we're just robots, you know, like we're just robots inhabiting this place so we can consume um, and, you know, comment about the movies we're watching on Twitter and just, you know, just, just like constant, like just consumption. That's all it is. But, but that's just not our, our world. Our world is a place that's been enlivened, but with this like invisible, very uh, personal, but also collective, um, affection for these things. And, and we should, and, and part of my point in the book is bringing this stuff up is that like this, I, this happens naturally. Like so much of what I'm saying is like, this is just natural for us to think this way, but because of the various forces in our world that I think are trying to destroy that or sever it or make it bad or say you're evil, your grandparents are evil. And therefore that piece of dirt, John, that you're, grandfather loved uh that's evil too right and your relation to it is evil and your love for it is evil uh because he was um that th- those kind of forces now what i'm saying is that we need to become conscious of the fact that we have these loves because usually it just exists in the background of experience most like familiarity like like our preference to be among things that are familiar rather than foreign you know most of the time sometimes foreign things are very exciting but but the but the you know our preference for the the familiar is something that we're drawn to naturally. But now we have to say we have to explicitly articulate it, make it explicit to consciousness, so that we can actually protect it, so we can act for it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a great point. And it, actually, there are so many things that here in your book we haven't even talked about. But one of the things that I appreciated probably more than anything else is how you do go after this creedal nation or proposition nation concept, because this is the one thing it seems like that if you challenge it, not only does the left come after you, but so many on the quote unquote right come after you, even in Christianity. And and it's foreign. I, I don't know. Actually, I'm curious to hear from you why Christians have just imbibed this. Like this is such a new idea, this proposition nation concept. Where where did it come from and why does everyone believe it all of a sudden? Well it, it's just the fact that our our theology, which is not even good for really theology, just that we've Christianized uh, a popular sentiment. And that, that and um it's the I mean there's there's people like I think Joe Carter said something like, yeah, the gospel is globalist or it's we should be globalist and and, uh, and, and, and they'll just, they, they will just Christianize. They'll use, they'll use theological concepts or sentiments to, to just make it, make us think that this is how Christians ought to, ought to live and think. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it would be pretty bizarre. I think if, if God created us so that, uh, we have this propositional nation idea, that's just somehow we're all linked together in this, on this space, uh, because we all affirm some ideas. It's just, it's not, it's. I'm not saying it's, I think it's wrong objectively, but it just violates who we are as human beings. You know, again, like we, we have particular loves from experience and, and activity, not, not it's pre-rational, it's pre-reflective, it's pre- prejudicial in the, in the good sense. Right. And that's how we live. I mean, I, one, just to kind of, because we've been so far away from this, because we're Americans are so taught to kind of have the self-hatred or this very ambivalence toward ourselves. Uh just think of uh, uh, of like the house you grew up in. So, you know, if you grew up in like a typical, let's just say it's really one of those cookie cutters, uh, suburban proj- uh, subdivisions <laughs> we're not supposed to like anymore. Like we're right, not supposed right. to like those things. Every house looks exactly the same in a row. And there's just little trees here and there. 
but but you you grew up in that one house that's like three rows down or like three houses down looks just like the one next to it or the two the houses next to it um that house means a lot to you i mean i mean let's assume again you have a pot of positive childhood obviously like i sometimes i think of the forrest gump where jenny throws rocks at her house you know that movie yeah obviously yeah. she had a negative experience and and bulldozing was good anyway but that that <laughs> one house that that you grew up in where it was a place of love it was a place of affection of of parents and siblings and grandparents and friends that came over there um that neighborhood where you probably had neighborhood kids friends that house right there is not just a house among houses like it's that it's a home it's like your home and yeah. and even though it has no more market value than the house next to it it's like imbued or invested or adorned whatever term you want to use with these like affections that you can't transfer you can't sell it you can't do anything like that but it matters a lot and to and to deny that is just absurd to think like the the propositional na um, nation guys essentially everything every like all of space is reduced to this like uh market value because there's no there's no human like there's no way to kind of for humans to relate to things in something higher than that and my point is that like really what makes a nation a nation is not just like common affirmation of, of statements, but it's a common love of the place itself. It's a common love of this actual real place. Like it's, it's, it's people who live on geographic space, but more than that, that space is now enlivened as a place that we can all love in common. And uh, that, that just seems to me to be objectively good and better than otherwise and it's just natural to us as humans well and you see in scripture that this is not an unbiblical concept at all with the way that the nation of israel was uh formed and the importance of the land and how even the tribes were supposed to uh in the year of jubilee the land went back to those who owned it um or stewarded it uh, in those tribes um, Paul's even affection for his own people. I mean, all these things are are just so part and parcel to who we are as humans that the denial, it just, it's strange to me that we've kind of reached this weird point in history where denying that is, makes you a better person. You have moral high ground, supposedly, if you yeah. deny that. Well, again, uh, yeah, it's like, I think there's a few things. One is like, there, there's a, there's an assumption that the, that our instincts are bad, that like that, that there's a Christian doctrine of sin that I think is abused and I think it's corrupted. I think it's ahistorical. I don't think it's reformed. I think people are total depravity means we're so bad. Well, no, I think there's obviously we're, we're very bad, but I'm saying that the, the, there the, these basic instincts we have for home and place and people, these are actually good instincts. Like this drawn being drawn towards what is familiar is actually good. It's natural. The, the fall did not like fundamentally eradicate the principles of our being. Like they, they can be, they can be directed poorly. They can be abused. They can be applied poorly in very destructive ways and evil ways. But the actual principles themselves remain intact. And this is, again, even Calvin basically says that in his institutes, he says that all, um, well, generally, uh, fallen people still retain the principles of what is right and orderly. Uh, but of course, they abuse them and all that. But uh, but so I think there there's that there's that that in there's like a like a foreign impulse in us to uh to deny those instincts you know so there's that and then there's also the sense in which they think grace destroys nature so you have both like mm -hmm. the, the critique of uh 
they're kind of contradictory, but the, 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 you have the critique of the, the instincts. And then you have this idea that grace will wait. No, now instead of being, they'll have like ridiculous arguments, like, well, we're no longer like uh, Israel and identify as a nation. Now we identify as a global people. No, now right, we're, a glo- right. we're a global church. A and church, that's, yeah, that right. should be our only love. Or they say almost like the first love to pretty much the exclusion of any sort of national um, and then they'll throw out words like idolatry. Then none of these things are one. None of them, I think, are historical with regard to historic Protestant thought, and they're they're almost always utterly incoherent, uh, as as the as presented, uh, and um, and and what they are and is simply just Christianizing globalist sentiments. That's just what it is. The the reason why no one you don't find these things in older texts. Is because they're they they weren't socialized to think this way, um, but we are, and so uh, they they're just they're, they're this gl- sort of globalism is just Christianized. Well, I um, love. I think we just got to critique that. I love what you do, and because you take some of the uh, and and layman will understand this uh, as much as there's academic stuff in your book. You go through the popular notions that or suppose supposedly counter your position like well we don't have a nation where this pilgrim people and the church is our nation or um things that you commonly hear from even you know, like gospel coalition types in fact you quote i think you quote jonathan lehman you quote russell moore you go after some of these guys uh who uh, we would readily know in the evangelical uh, world at least and and you take them to task for some of these ridiculous things that they promoted the basic conflations. Um, and that's one of them that I, I get so irritated hearing that, well, we, well it's like, a, it's like, yeah. a, it's like a luxury belief. Like the, the idea that, uh, that our, our nation as Christians is, you know, every Christian in on the planet uh, is, is, is one of those things that I, you can't help but see it as a luxury belief that would have been absurd in the past. There, I mean, there is a sense in which we are kind of one nation. I, I would understand that as being, we're sort of like restored people or, or restored humanity, right. but that doesn't actually extinguish the, 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 the necessity of having uh, of like earthly sort of nationalities uh, or differences along those lines. But I, I think it's a, it's a luxury belief because I mean, the gospel does not provide like this gospel language. There's no gospel culture. There's no kind of universal, like once you've been a Christian, now you have to conform and learn a new language and, um, and, uh, and wear all the same thing and, and have the same songs and music. And, and, um, there's, there's no, like, there's no, it's not as if the gospel comes with this new, like set of what we call a nation, which is like cultural distinctives and all that. It doesn't do that. Uh, and we still have to live in this world. We still have to seek to live well in this world. And that includes we're like working together in common civil life. Yeah. If, how do you, like if, so, which means we, we have to have, for example, like a common language. We, you know, if, if, if people, if no one speaks the same language, we can't actually do a lot together. I mean, this is. So it's a very kind of luxury belief that like, what, what is a nation? What are the, what are the goods that a nation provides? What well, provides all these like cultural goods? We know what to do, how to do, we know how not to offend people. We can build, we can construct a building together because we speak the same language. We can call out uh, measurements for the, the guy to, you know, the guy who's cutting the wood. Um, we can do all these things together that uh, we, 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 we couldn't do if it was just like, oh, just gospel culture. But um, it just doesn't make any sense. 
it's only plausible because we're, we can just go to Walmart and we can pick up our food and stuff and go through the, go for the line and, and the cashier can barely speak English. We all know what to do. Like, it's just this very luxury, like modern West position that if, if people were thrown into conditions where if there was more necessity, where we actually had to look face to face and work one with one another to just get the basic things of life, it would just be ridiculous. Oh yeah. Well, um, if, if we yeah. have a real problem, like a real emergency, like a you know nuclear holocaust or, you know, some real economic problem, I'm not talking about what we're going through right now you'll see people form divisions right away and th there yeah. won't be civil. Yeah. All the, all this talk will be nothing because there's, yeah, because uh, I mean, the, the farther away you are from necessity where you're just full of an abundance of resources, the more you can kind of get away with things kind of like this, where you are very kind of wasteful or, or you can, you know, you don't actually need to work face to face with people when there's like this economies of scale and, and international trade and all this um, but yeah, like if we're thrown into like a, a closer condition of necessity, which would be essentially pre-World War II, I guess, and until the, 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 you know, the, the creation of man, you would, you would, you would have to kind of work with people where you understand each other. I mean, there, yeah. there's a, so in terms of language, there, there's a line in Augustine city of God where he says, like, if you don't know the same language as a guy, you're worse than dogs. Like that's his direct quote, pretty much you're worse than dogs, meaning that like at least dogs who can't speak, they can look at each other and kind of know what's up. Like they, they can, they don't need a language to, I mean, they have their own sort of language, I guess. Right, right. They, they don't need a verbal kind of language. Whereas for, for man, and he gets this from Aristotle, uh, maybe Plato, but uh, it's this idea that like we need speech because, because one, the way we're designed is we have a concern about justice, you know, uh, like sort of um, equity between each other. And we can't actually live one another. We can't communicate rights or rights or justice without an actual language. And in that sense, we become like uh, worse than dogs because then we can't even achieve what would be distinctively human together. Uh, and so you'd have to have like this, and again, common language, but I mean, I'm kind of going on and on about this, but it's just, it's just oh, it's such just like ridiculous notion that you can, um, that somehow like that that the 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 church like the the church as a global entity replaces the goods that you get out of national um, belonging yeah and I, i've seen it do damage and i think that's why i'm sensitive to it to some extent growing up with people who uh from christian households who would even say that they're not even part of a denomination they're just we, we just you know we're just the church and that and and nothing else mattered and and you see where those kids go <laughs> when they have freedom and it's usually not to good places. It's just not a recipe for it because it's, it's not um, it, it, it denies human longings, the natural human longings we have. Uh, you say this about Russell Moore, Stephen, you say Moore wants a society and government that actively destroy communities like Mayberry and use every means to manipulate your children to reject Christ. He doesn't want mere liberal neutrality, but active hostility. And there's a few things that I, I think questions I have that, that I can sort of uh, use to uh, set this quote up that you just uh, made in the book. But you talk about shutting the border down to people coming in. You talk about um, you know, the need for there to be generations of people to get to know each other once again, for there to be a nation that's strong and vibrant. 
Um, and you, you basically set up some of these evangelical thinkers as they're the enemies of, of the nation uh, because of their affinity for, um, I guess, a secular uh, sort of blank on non-Christian state that's hostile. And, you know, what I see you doing in the whole book is trying to preserve, preserve, preserve. How do we strengthen our country? And there's these forces lined up on the other side. And more, of course, one of these people who wants open borders as well. Um, isn't Mayberry a figment of the imagination? Is there really a Mayberry? Uh, talk, to, talk to us about this a little bit. Um, to this, this ideal Mayberry that you have <laughs> that we're supposed to be shooting for preserving. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about like several different things here. I know, um, I know. That's um, but so the, complicated. Um, Go any yeah, direction I mean, you want. So on, on the Russell Moore piece, I do criticize him for a couple pages uh, for a blog post he did. And I, I don't think he ever retracted or changed what he said, but I, I, I was not like exaggerating what that blog post said. Um, I, I, in fact, I, as much as I dislike the, the work and the rhetoric of someone like Russell Moore, after I read that, I was actually surprised he said what he said in that in that blog post, and it basically says that uh, it's he, he accused uh, a sort of Mayberry like uh, place of being a place that yeah it was nice and pleasant and people stayed married, but I think the line is but it was hardly revival or something like right that. right, uh, and 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 then he goes on to say how it was basically good that that Rome persecuted Christians because it showed who was an atheist or who was a non-Christian, who was a Christian. And it, the argument basically, there's no other way to understand the argument is that he literally wants a place like Mayberry where it's there's hip, some hypocrisy, but it's there's pleasant life and pleasant relations, mutual understanding, that it's safe, um, everyone knows each other. I mean, you couldn't, I mean, it's a kind of ideal setting for most people. Um, I don't know if it ever actually existed, probably not, but it's it's a sort of ideal that everyone that people would want if you're raising kids, why wouldn't you want to live in Mayberry? You know what I mean? Um, but instead he wants he wants actual persecution and he wants parents subjected like we are today. I just I, I've been in North Carolina. I mean, it's crazy, Central North Carolina. And even in the school district in this in in my county, which once was a very conservative county until Raleigh screwed it up, people who worked there and all that, um, they they now want to like force gender, like a some gender thing on where a kid takes a survey to see if he's actually a boy or actually a girl. I mean, it's just, it, I, I just, I can't, I just, I can't fathom how people would, would line up and say cultural Christianity is bad how we want persecution when the average parent, I mean, you, you and I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be elitist, but like John, you and I are very kind of aware of what's going on in the world. Uh, we follow what's happening in our country and, and its forces at work. And we try to analyze and we talk about it. So we're kind of at, at a higher order in a sense, just because we put the time and energy and effort into it. But most people are just average people. Like most, you know, that's average, right? Every, most people, don't know what their kids are being subjected to, or they have a kind of a vague sense of it, uh, or they're kind of nominal Christians who just want to do what they always did, which is send their kids to public school. And now all of a sudden your, your daughter is coming home with weird hair color and claim she's a boy. I mean, what, why it just, it boggles my mind that like people like more would just be like, you know, bring on the persecution. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly unloving to your neighbor. I mean, we always talk about loving your neighbor. Well, is there anything more like unloving than saying, 
Well, you know what? The average person is going to be su subjected to a, a, a relentless onslaught of the most absurd moral ideas you can imagine. But we as Christians, we're going to stay winsome and nice. And uh, we're going to spend our days attacking those to our right who want to do something. Right. I mean, ima imagine like it's the, the whole, it's like, like evangelicalism has descended into this like absurdity of passivity, uh, given what they see in the world. I mean, I, literally, I, I'm in a small county in North Carolina and they're going to subject the kids to gender ideology. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.